Boo! Welcome and thank you for tuning in for an episode of Animation and Chill. Or should I say, Animation and Chills. I am your host, Mara. And as I record this, we are in the middle of the most wonderful time of the year. That's right, spooky season. And to celebrate this special time, I will be posting episodes every Wednesday and Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time until the end of October. And during this time, I'll be covering various movies and TV shows that are spooky season appropriate. And if and if there is anything that you would, you would like to see me cover during spooky season or future episodes, please feel free to message me on Instagram at animation n the letter n chill or animation n chill at gmail.com. And now, without further ado, ado, oh my god, Jesus, yeah, <laughs> oh my god, sorry, further ado, <laughs> well, let's just do it over. All right, let us take a look at the movie that started it all for endless directed video Scooby Doo movies, and that is Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. <laughs> So this movie was special for a few reasons, the first being that it marked the first time since the new Scooby-Doo Mysteries that the whole Mystery Gang were together, not including their younger counterparts in a pup named Scooby-Doo. Second, this was the first time that the characters were modernized for the 90s, and third, the most important part, the film's main selling point and and to be honest, I want to like a fucking kick-ass tagline. This time, the monsters are real, motherfucker! Even though they were real those previous times, so we will not mention them here. It upped the ante from a traditional Scooby-Doo episode where the bad guys were in masks, but now paranormal and supernatural elements were being thrown in the midst, and this would not be a typical mystery. Back in the early to mid-90s, following a road coaster pattern of relevance, Scooby-Doo was once again growing in popularity. After Cartoon Network started airing reruns of the series Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Its sister network at the time, Time Warner, then suggested that they make a film. Some of the original artists and writers of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? returned to help make the film. And when it came to the film's premise, it was based on an unused episode of SWAT Cats, A Rackle Squadron, which the film's screenwriter, Glenn Leopold, was a staff writer on. The animation was done by the Japanese studio Mook Animation, the same studio responsible for SWAT Cats and the latest iteration at that time of Johnny Quest. Renowned animators, I apologize, I'm definitely going to butcher these names, but I will do my best. Kuzumi Fukushima and Hiroshi 
Ayama also directed the film, although sadly they were not given credit. You need to credit your artist people or anyone that does their words. So, you know, just remember that. The Mystery Dane was also given a redesign for the film to modernize them for the 90s. And some of their personalities were retooled with the most changes being made to Daphne, who was once known as danger prone, but for the film was a successful, driven, talk show host. And when it came to the cast of the film, only one of the original Scooby-Doo actors returned. The others were replaced due to disagreements or circumstances out of their control, starting with Casey Kasem, who at the time was a vegan, but when they were doing a Burger King commercial with Scooby-Doo, he was not about it, so he declined the role. And when it came time to making the film, those working on it... um, did not want Shaddy to be a vegan. They felt that it was a part of his personality where he consumed anything and everything in his path. You know, he wasn't like, oh, I'm only just gonna like consume um, non-animal and non-animal byproducts. And so once again, Kaysom declined to roll. Although he did have a chance, uh, a last minute chance to uh, resume the part, but he again declined. Instead, Billy West, who some may know as the voice of Fry and Ren and Stimpy, was recast as Shaggy. And fun fact, uh, at the time he was also a vegan. I am pretty sure this is correct. Um, you know, and I'm not saying this to disparage uh, Taysom's decision. Like, oh, like he was vegan. He don't have an issue with it. I just thought it was a fun. I just thought it was an interesting fact. And when it came to Daphne, her original voice actress, Indira Stefaniana, I apologize for butchering her name. She had retired from the role either after the first or second season of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? to raise a family and settle down. And then afterwards, Heather North resumed the role up until the 90s and she had done a a day of recording for the film but then she was shortly after replaced by Mary Kate Birdman and for those of you who are familiar with her work would know her as the majority of the original female voices on South Park and was also the voice of Snow White up until her death in 1999 rest in peace For Velma's voice, her original actress, Nicole Jaffe, had portrayed the character up until 1973 with the new Scooby-Doo movies until she had also retired from acting uh, to marry and raise a family. She would not return to the role until the early thousands. And then afterwards, Pat Stevens took over, and then we came to B.J. Ward, who previously voiced Velma in the Johnny Bravo crossover with Scooby-Doo, which is one of my favorite crossovers. 
Scooby's original voice actor Don Messick had portrayed the character up until the infamous Burger King commercial in 1995, and then sadly he suffered a severe stroke in 1996, which effectively put an end to his voiceover career, and even sadder, a year later he passed on. Radio DJ Scott Ians was recast as Scooby. He would also go on to play Shaggy in the future sequels of Scooby-Doo up until Taysom uh, returned. So that leaves the one and only original Scooby-Doo actor to reprise their role, the man of a thousand voices, motherfucking Frank Walker! as the voice of Fred. And there actually was a chance that he was not going to be cast as Fred. Apparently, the producers felt that his voice went down an octave, and the voice director kept insisting he do the voice in a higher pitch, but Walker assured them that Fred's voice was literally his own speaking voice. And then the producers decided to rewatch some episodes of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And they eventually realized that Walker was right and they kept him on. An interesting theory was proposed by Bob Miller from Animation World Network. He suggested that the reruns that ran on Cartoon Network may have misled the producers on how Fred's voice sounded as the voice... Excuse me, as the episodes were sped up slightly to add more airtime for commercials, thus why the voice director uh, was asking Welker if he could perform the voice in a higher pitch. Apart from the main cast, uh, the film also sported an incredible and star-studded supporting cast, um, with those including Adrian Barbeau, who those known as Scream Queen and also the voice of Catwoman from Batman the Animated Series, Tara Strawn, who who we know, who some will know as the voice of Dylan Rugrats, Raven and Teen Titans, Mark Hamill, who was the Joker in the, in the same Batman series, and Luke Skywalker in Star Wars as Snakebite Scrubs and the airport manager, who also happens to have one of my favorite lines and deliveries in the movie. <laughs> Where he's like, Yeah, I got like Gorgonzola's fired. <laughs> and uh, um, including that is Jim Cummings as Jock in Morgan Moonstar, Morgan Moonstar, Winnie the Pooh, and has the current Tasmanian Devil. Cam Clark, um, who played Detective Bo, was a part of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Jennifer Leigh Warren from Third Rock from the Sun was talk show host Chris. And Ed Gilbert was the masked villain in the intro, Mr. Beeman. He previously voiced Baloo in the series Tailspin. And when it came to the film's music, which I personally feel um, is one of the more iconic features of the film, was its score composed by Stephen Bramson, 
who also worked on the Lost in Space film and Tiny Toon Adventures. And a couple songs were written for the film, including It's Terror Time Again and Ghost is Here, both which were performed by the band Cycle, sorry, Sky Cycle, and written by Glenn Leopold, whereas the main theme, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, was performed by the Third Eye Blind. And I will say that, like, even to this day, I still play, you know, those first two songs, Terror Time Again and Ghost is Here. I don't know, man, they're just, they're just classics. Before it was decided that Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island was going to be a direct-to-video release, there were talks about making it a theatrical release. However, Warner Brothers was swayed by the booming home video market. And then when the film was finally released on September 22nd, 1998, its retail value was $19.95, making it one of the more expensive VHS releases at that time. However, it still managed to outperform beyond Warner Brothers' expectations, and this was contributed to its $50 million marketing campaign and thus starting a chain reaction of direct-to-video Scooby-Doo video releases. And apart from the film being a financial hit, it was also a critical hit with publications such as Entertainment Weekly calling it Fast, fun, and filled with knowing points. Los Angeles Times applauded it as well and said that it met beyond the expectations of a Saturday morning cartoon and then some. Although there were some that were put off by the film's darker tone. Um, and this would actually come into play with the creative decisions following its sequels, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. However, the general public mostly applauded this as well. They appreciated a darker Scooby-Doo. I know I did. And looking back on the film, I can see why it still holds up to this day. And I can also see why it is regarded as being one of the best, if not the best, Scooby-Doo movie of all time. From the animation, the music, the acting, the eerie and atmospheric scenes. And especially the horror elements in this movie, I feel, are on par with some of the more classic horror movies. Oh, a couple, with a couple of scenes sticking now in my mind being when the first supernatural element um, comes out with Mo Morgan Moonstar being resurrected. Everything about this scene is dripping with suspense and horror. The action in the scene and music building up the reveal of the movie's first actual monster is just the chef's kiss. And then the other scene is when Nadine were trying to unmask a zombie. Fred in denial tries to reason and name the, a list of suspects while struggling to remove the said mask or 
up until its head uh, pops off. And this was another scene where the music was was chilling and built tension. And also spoofing the original series where all the villains were just bad guys in masks. And also the acting was uh, was superb. The like the emotion is raw and you just sense the fear in the actor's delivery. And I cannot think of a greater thing to testify this movie's popularity by the long line of direct-to-video sequels that it spawned off. And as I record this, 30 sits have been released, thus proving that Scooby-Doo will never die and will remain with us until the end of time when the 13th million movie has been released, with the internal Frank Walker still voicing Fred. And on that note, I end. This concludes this episode of Animation and Chills. I hope you enjoyed, and I hope that you join me when I cover Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost on Friday. I hope y'all have a good day. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe and have a good Friday. <laughs>